It is a noisy, noisy world out there, and it's so hard to hear God's call among all the competing voices. But he is a great communicator, and he wants to talk. So keep your ears open and your eyes up. It might just give you the launch that you need. Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are in our second installment of the new sermon series called Failure to Launch, and it's all about hearing God's voice. So let's listen in right now. That video kind of captures, I think, the passion that should be driving how we live, and yet it's so easy for that passion to just sort of become a a series of religious exercises that we feel like is almost like missing something, and we forget that it's missing. That thing that drives us, the fact that the grave is empty, he is risen, and that changes everything. We're in this second part of a series that's talking about what are some of the obstacles that prevent us from launching. Failure to launch, four common obstacles to living your purpose and how to overcome them. And one of those big obstacles is in full display this time of year, the stress of everyone's schedule. It's like, man, are you stressed much? I don't know, I'm pretty stressed. You know, yesterday, I mean, we got the new schedules with school, and then we had sports, we had football in the morning, we had a doubleheader, baseball, we had a a function that we're going to at night. I mean, you almost feel like at some point you're reacting to your life instead of living your life. (laughs) I'm reacting to the calendar instead of living. We said that the number one obstacle, we talked about this last week, so if you missed it, I want to encourage you to tune in. Number one obstacle to not living your purpose is stress. Why? Because stress sometimes can force you to exchange God's plan for your plan. Because all you want to do is get out of stress, and if you see a shortcut, you're going for it. If you see what you think is a good way out, regardless of what you think you're hearing from God, doesn't matter, because you just want out. You just want to relieve the stress. And that's one of the challenges. And the thing is, God offers a better way. Last week I shared with you Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the, that's him telling you. (laughs) Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. What God offers us is different than what we get from the rest of the world. He offers us rest, a deep abiding rest. You know, every Sunday we get up and we say, let's share the peace of Christ with one another. And it's like, oh, hey, good morning, and we shake hands. But I think what sometimes gets lost in that is the profound truth that a relationship with Jesus gives us a peace that is supernatural, that rests on us, that changes how we deal with stress. Not that you're never going to have stress. Of course you are. You're going to live your life. But you approach your stress with the rest that comes in a relationship with God. 
It's amazing how that happens, that you can actually live your whole life with a sense of inner rest and peace. This is the way that God offers you. Because really, we all have a God-sized hole in our hearts and lives, and we don't know it. And we try chasing after filling that hole with everything and anything else that we think is going to satisfy. And it never does. It only satisfies for a little bit. We think, well, maybe around this corner I'll be happy. And then you're happy for like five minutes. You're like, okay, well, maybe it's the next corner. And the missing thing is that rest for our souls that Jesus gives us. And so we definitely, that's what we want. We want that rest for our souls. And that's why we want to make sure that we don't fail to launch into our purpose. We want that rest for our souls. But I think there's another reason. And that is to always remember our why. You hear this a lot in business talk lately. Knowing your why. What does that translate to? It's like, why am I doing this job? What's my real reason? What's my real passion and goal and what I want to see happen? Because if you know your why, it's going to help you deal with your what. It's going to help you deal with whatever comes across your path if you know your why. You know how to handle it because you know where you're going. I think we have to do that when it comes to our spiritual lives. We have to remember our why. I'm going to show you a picture of the 10th highest peak in the world. This is Annapurna in Nepal. 26,545 feet. It is a massive, massive peak. Uh, a lot of people hike it. And there was uh, an incident in 2010 where three hikers became trapped at 22,900 feet. It was because of the weather. And they were trapped there, and there was literally no way for them to get rescued. They were as good as dead. Until two men did the impossible. One was a helicopter pilot. Captain, what's his name? He's got a great name. <laughs> Hold on. Captain Daniel Oftenblatten. Come on, that's a cool name. And then a mountain guide, Richard Lenner. What they did was, if you see on the helicopter, they lowered the tow cable. Richard Lenner was at the bottom of it. They went all the way to 22,900 feet. And by hand, by Richard grabbing them one by one, they rescued each one, brought them all the way down to base camp at 9,000 feet. So, I mean, just get this in your head. You're riding the tow cable down from 22,900 all the way down to 9,000 feet, and they did that three times to rescue all three. It was the impossible rescue. They won all sorts of awards for this rescue. They got all sorts of recognition because this was an impossible rescue. Now, could you just imagine, put yourself in the place of those three hikers that were rescued. How would you feel about your rescuers? You would do anything to honor them, right, with the rest of your lives. You'd probably name children after them. You would, you would change your whole life because they gave you this second chance that you knew you didn't deserve, that wasn't going to come your way. They did the impossible. And so you want to make sure you want to live your life worthy of that second chance, of the risk that they took. Now, I think this is not unlike what Jesus has done for us. He did the impossible rescue. He rescued us from sin and death by laying down his own life. And so we need to honor him by how we live ours. 
because we're so grateful. I think that's our why. I, th- I think it's, we're always drawn to like, what do we get out of the relationship when it comes to God? And we kind of have God like cosmic Santa Claus. I'd like this and this and this and this and this. Thank you. But what if it was more about just honoring him because of what he did for us, impossibly, undeservedly? He changed everything, so we want to live our life accordingly. This is the idea that the Apostle Paul has in mind when he's writing this next scripture I want to share with you. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He begins with this idea. He says, therefore... Basically, because Jesus did this for you and saved you and it changes everything, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice. One of the things I remember my, one of my seminary professors said, always stuck with me, says, yeah, but the problem with living sacrifices is they always try to get up off the altar. We have that tendency. But he says that's how we should honor God. We should be a living sacrifice. Translated, we want to want what God wants. We should be living like God wants us to live. It's our way of honoring him because of what he's done for us. This is your true and proper worship. Now, most of us, we read a verse like this, and then we're like, yes, okay, I'm in. And then it's immediately like, and how do you do that? I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean be a living sacrifice? Pastor, that's super vague, and it sounds painful. <laughs> it's not, not very helpful. I get it. I get it. Because uh, it's a deep idea, and it takes some thinking through, because it's going to be different for all of us, what it looks like to be a living sacrifice. Because most of us don't know where to start. And then the next question is, okay, well, how then, if I'm going to be a living sacrifice and do what God wants, how do I know what God wants? How do I hear God's voice to begin with? I have no idea. I hear voices. I hear voices. No. There are many voices in my life. I don't know which one's God's. I don't know. Do I have to do some, like, special incantation? Do I have to read the original Hebrew do I have to dress like a monk and hit my face with a board while ch- whilst chanting? <laughs> All right, you got that. Like, is that what I need to do in order to hear God's voice? So I think that's our second obstacle to launching into the purpose that God wants us to live is hearing God. How do we do it? How does that happen? What does that look like? Uh, Many of you know that I had a really experience of a lifetime this last week. Uh, I am, now this might disturb some of you. I mentioned it last week, but for those who weren't here, I am a pastor while at the same time an Oakland Raiders fan. I am a walking contradiction. I, I grew up in California. All my teams I rooted for when I was a kid, I still root for them. I'm taking meds for it. I'll be okay. So anyway, uh, for anyone who follows the NFL, you know that the Oakland Raiders are moving to Las Vegas next year. They will no longer be the Oakland Raiders. 
And I also knew that they were opening their, their uh, year this last week on Monday night football. And so it was like the perfect chance. If I'm going to go see them in Oakland, it's not a Sunday. It's not a working day for me. I can go see the Monday night game. So my son and I flew out to Oakland and saw Monday night football and watched them beat the... Oh, excuse me. They were victorious over there. <laughs> over their hated rival. And <laughs> so through the miracle of Facebook, I, I got on the Raider Nation Facebook page, of course, which is colorful. And, uh, and I was asking, hey, you know, my son are coming for the game, and I've heard of, like, the legendary tailgating situation in Oakland. I'm like, so how do we become a part of that? And someone named Vinny responds and says, you come hang out with us. Like, that doesn't sound sketchy at all. <laughs> but to me, I'm like, great idea. <laughs> so, so we get to the stadium, and the parking lots, now that's just the one side of the stadium. The other side's just as full. It's like a zoo. And it's crazy, and there's food everywhere. It's a giant block party. And I have to say, everything you've heard about Raiders fans are true. They are as crazy as you think, but it was awesome because it was also a sense of family and um, it was really special. Anyway, I had to meet Vinny in the middle of this massive sea of humanity. Now, I could have taken a couple of different strategies. Strategy one could have been, let's try to find Vinny by chance. I'd still be walking the parking lot. There were just too many people. Or, hey, let me systematically try to find Vinny. That would have taken forever. The game would have been over. All right, let me go row by row. Vinny? 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 Are you Vinny? <laughs> I probably would have met several Vinnies. No, how did I find him? We found him because we had a way of communication. We exchanged cell phone numbers. And we got, and here's Vinny. We found him by knowing how to communicate. There's us and Vinny. And Vinny, I got to say, if he ever listens to this sermon... Vinny, thank you. Yeah, he was so gracious. He took care of us. It was wonderful. Now, I never would have found him because when we're on the cell phone, he's just like, okay, yeah, so you go by the RVs. Like, we were in the wrong parking lot. I mean, it would have been a disaster. But we had a predetermined way of communicating to sift through all the noise to get to one another. And I don't think that's much different than our relationship with God. You need a way, a predetermined way of communicating with God so that you can hear him through all the noise and get to where you're supposed to go. You're really not going to get there by chance. I mean, listen, God can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to sit here and limit God and say he can't just show up, sit on your couch today and be like, what's up? Let's do this. He could. Why couldn't he? That's not been my experience. My experience has been I've had to listen for him, communicate with him, so that I could weave through the noise of my life and get to where I'm supposed to go. I also think the systematic approach rarely works. And, and what, what do I mean by that? I mean, all right, let me try each philosophical and spiritual idea and see if it works. I'm just going to kind of systematically go down. Like, I hope Jesus is like your first stop. Because that rarely gets you 
to where God wants you to go. It can, and I know people who that's happened to. But it makes it a lot harder. You need to figure out how to communicate because in life, the truth is, we all have selective hearing anyway when it comes to God. It's like when I was a kid, I'd be swimming in my buddy's pool and my mom would come pick me up. Jason, it's time to go. What'd I do the second I heard her voice? Under the water I go. <laughs> Can't hear you. It's not time to leave. <laughs> like I thought that was going to work. Every single time, all it did was make her very angry. And what goes around comes around, right? I see my own kids. Anyway. Selective hearing. Why? Because I didn't want to get pulled out of the fun I was having. I didn't want to get pulled out. I didn't want to stop because I was enjoying what I was doing or I wanted to do what I was doing. So I'd have selective hearing with mom. And I think we do this with God. We have selective hearing. When things are going great, ah, la, 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 things are good, God. I'm going underwater. I don't want to hear what you have to say because it might ruin my fun. It might ruin my good thing I got going. You might challenge me, and I don't know if I want that right now, so let me just go underwater for a little while. But then, when things aren't going so well, we are fully out of the pool. God, I will do anything. Say something to me. Right? We are all ears. If we're going to figure out where he's leading us through the noise in our life, we have to be open to communicating with him. We have to be listening. We have to figure out how to do that well so that we could follow where he has us going. And this gets us to the next verse in Romans 12. Actually, Paul tells you exactly how to hear God's voice here. Exactly how to do it. So if you brought your Bible, this is a highlight verse. Uh, or if you don't have a Bible and you need one, just take one home from the pew. It's yours. Congratulations. You need it. Go for it. We'll buy more. But remember this verse, because this tells you exactly how to hear God's voice. It begins like this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now just think on that for a second. What does that mean? Do not conform. There is a pattern to the world, which is, in Scripture, it usually means everything that's, that's not God's way. It's just the way of the world, the way of society, the way of culture. That there is a pattern there that causes you to drift away from God's purpose. I mean, the noise of culture is like a loud Raiders parking lot, <laughs> right? There are so many different things vying for our attention. He says you can't, it doesn't say don't be part of the world. I mean, that's what actually, literally, that's what the Amish believe is that you can't be a part of culture. So they separate themselves from culture. What we believe is, no, 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 God intentionally has us in culture, otherwise how would we influence it? We need to be in it, but not of it. We need to not have the pattern of this world while living in the world. The pattern that says, in order for you to succeed, in order for you to find love, in order for you to be fulfilled, you follow this. And it doesn't matter what the this is, it's just not God. That's the pattern of this world. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but... Be transformed. I love that it's in the passive verb form. Be transformed. Not transform yourself. Now, I'm not against self-help philosophy. 
I think a lot of it can be really good. I think, though, it can give you the idea that you are the source of your own transformation, spiritually. We, we are transformed from someone else. We are, we're transformed from Jesus Christ. But be trans, transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That's how. And what does he mean by that? Because that, again, seems a little abstract. By the renewing of your mind. Well, I think it's a lot like, uh, you know how, you, it, uh, in a mechanical sense, you could have a machine that over time starts to misfire because it gets out of alignment and it needs to be recalibrated. You've maybe done this with your printer and it's really annoying because I just want to print it, but you got to do the calibration thing. Why? And so it makes sure that it functions the way that it's supposed to. And what happens to us is we get out of whack over time. We need to have the renewing of our mind to remind us not to be part of the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our like, We need that help. We need that constant reminder. And that renewing of our mind is that regular way of communicating with God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and here's the payoff, right? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you've ever asked the question, what's God's will? That's how you find it. Let me give you an example. I was talking with a friend of mine this week who is a, a Christian and a real estate agent as well. Actually, we have a few who come here, real estate agents. Um, and I thought this was a good example because he was sharing a little bit of his journey and you know, kind of what the world says he should be doing versus what he feels he should be doing. And so let's say you're a real estate agent, and it, the pattern of this world might tell you, sell a house for the most you can and make the highest commission you can to do right by you. you got to make a living, right? you got to. And there's nothing wrong with selling an expensive house or making a commission. But there's a point I'm going to make in all this. It, in that the world will say, you are number one. You are number one. So do whatever it takes to make the most. But then as a Christian, you start reading scripture, and, and you start praying, and you start, and maybe you start feeling like, you know what, I, that doesn't sit exactly right with what I think God's calling me to do. And this is the process of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're, you're checking in with God, you're listening, you're reading scripture, you're talking with other Christians, you're coming to worship, whatever it is, and you're starting to feel this kind of way that maybe I need to change that a little bit in order to honor God with my life, to be that living sacrifice he wants me to be. So you say, well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe I should change that and say that my customer is my number one goal because I, I hear from Jesus about lifting others up and loving people more than yourself. And, and the reality is I still have to make a living, but maybe there's a way of making a living while also being a blessing, while also trying to live faithfully in the moment, and a, and a couple comes in and they say, this is our budget, and you only show them homes in their budget. It's like HGTV, it, it drives me crazy. On all those house hunting shows where they're like, they show them the one that's like 100,000 more than they said they could possibly afford. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not fair, of course they're gonna love that house, it's $100,000 more. And then they might push really hard to make a purchase that they can't really Afford, But maybe when someone comes in, you, you show them something they can afford. And then maybe when it's time to make commission, 
You have an opportunity there, and you could hit them for everything you can, or maybe you know that extra $30, $40, $50 a month is going to be meaningful for that couple, and you want to make sure this is their forever home, and you don't want to put them in a situation where they might default, and so you say, you know what? I can still do well and charge a little bit less. Now, again, don't hear me. I'm not saying it's always wrong to just charge. You charge. That's not it. I'm just showing as by way of example, this is how it works in real time as we're going through this verse in our everyday life. It's, there's the pattern of this world. There's what I'm hearing from God by my regular communication with him. And then I'm letting that play out in how I live the rest of my life. That's what it looks like. And in the end, what you're doing is you're attuning yourself to God's will. You're finding Vinny in the middle of the parking lot. Here's a couple other things that I think are really important. And the first is this. We must not forget our why. Because if you forget your why, it's easy to go back to the pattern of this world. Remember why is that we have been miraculously and possibly rescued. We didn't deserve it. We were as good as dead. And we were saved. We want to make sure that we honor him well. And the second is this. We need to study God's profile. What do I mean? Well, in order to find Vinny, I had to know what he looked like. I had to check out his Facebook profile on Raider Nation. I had to find out more about him. Here's the thing. The more time we, we get to know God, the more we know how to look for him in the crowd. The, the more used to his voice you get, the more you understand and hear where to find his voice going forward. Jesus actually said this. He said, um, I am the shepherd and they are the sheep. The sheep know my voice. How do you know the voice of the shepherd? You spend time with the shepherd. And then you can eat more easily hear his voice in the middle of the noise. And that happens through these ancient spiritual practices or disciplines. These are Ways that we make sure we're not ducking our head underwater. But it happens through prayer and scripture study and so many other things. Worship and service and fasting and solitude. All these different ways of connecting. And it doesn't have to be the kind of thing where, oh, you know, oh my gosh, i got to spend like four hours a day listening to God's word. I don't know who has four hours a day. It could be, hey, you know what my goal is? Five minutes a day for five days of just checking in with God, just praying. Like, maybe I don't even know what to do, so I'm gonna open the Gospel of John and read a couple of verses and see what happens. That's fine. The more you do it on a regular basis, the more you start to hear what God's voice sounds like, and the easier it is to figure out where he's calling you to go, where he wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know what his will is. And that's just it. This is a piggyback on... The previous one, number three, we need a predetermined plan of communication. Listen, if I would have waited until game day to figure out how to connect with Vinny, I never would have found him. We had to predetermine how it was going to work. It's when, whenever I'm counseling uh, couples before they get married, I always say, it's much better to have the rules of how you're going to fight before you're in the middle of a fight. You need to figure out, what's my way of connecting with God 
And maybe you don't know, and that's okay, but at least you're like, hey, you know what, this week I'm going to do this. I'm going to put it in my calendar, and I'm, that's what I'm going to do. You have to predetermine how you're going to communicate. It gives you a much better shot of navigating the busy parking lot. And then the fourth thing, and this is one of the biggest blessings, is that if you can do this, then you'll be right where you're supposed to be, right where God wants you. And that feeling is incredible to know that you're right where you're supposed to be. It reminds me of that moment in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit comes and the disciples are able to speak the wonders of God into the languages of the people, this miraculous, wild moment when they receive the Holy Spirit. The reason they received it is because they were right where they were supposed to be. They were dialed in to God's voice. In fact, look at verse 1, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. In other words, they were right where they were supposed to be. Jesus left them these instructions. It said, wait here in Jerusalem and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's pretty simple instructions. But you have to think the pressure of that over time was probably getting pretty bad. Like, how are we going to eat? How are we going to live? What's going to happen? I mean, I'm a fisherman. I'm, I'm a tax collector. I'm, you know, we all left our jobs to do this, and now we're sitting around Jerusalem for how long? But they trusted, and they were right where they were supposed to be. How about you? Are you ready to listen? Are you ready to keep your head above the water and hear what he has for you so that you're in the right place, so that you won't conform but be transformed? That's my prayer for all of us today. Why not this week? Why can't this be the week that we start communicating with God again? I think you'll find once that obstacle is removed, you will be able to launch.